Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and this is today's episode of Truth Tidbits as we look into God's Word again. And I want to read from 1 John chapter 2 again today, and I want to discuss just a couple of things briefly, um, but I also want to... Um, let you know the title of today. We're going to talk about loving what lasts. And in 1 John chapter 2, I want to pick up where we left off a few days ago when, when we were going through 1 John um, earlier. And I want to pick up with verse 15 through 17 of chapter 2 today. 1 John chapter 2. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. I want to speak a little bit about this and trust that God will bless the reading and study of his word. Loving what lasts. The love that he's talking about here, the word love is actually agape. And agape love is the highest form of love and devotion that there is. It's that self-sacrificing, all-devoted love. It even includes perhaps the worship of the object that you are loving. You are so fully devoted to that. You adore it. You exalt it. You worship it. And so John is admonishing here and instructing that we do not love the world. We do not take the agape, which is reserved only for God, and we do not have that kind of love for anything or anyone else. He says that if someone loves the world like that, if someone has the agape for the world, then the love of the Father, the love of God, God's agape, is absolutely not in him. That is what John says. It's the absolute negative. So what is the world that we are not to love? The word for world used here is cosmos. And it can be very broad or very narrow. It can include the universe and all the material things, all the stars and planets and the earth. It can include all the inhabitants of the world, all the men and mankind, men, women, boys, girls. It can include the world's systems, ideas, philosophy, pursuits, and passions. It can include a very broad definition of all of those things or a narrow focus of any and any particular ones of those. The context here can refer, in a sense, to all, but John sort of focuses, he narrows it to his focus and summarizes his definition that applies to this admonition, and he does that for us. So he tells us, 
for all that is in the world. And then he defines what he's talking about, which is still quite broad. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those are the three summaries that he gives us, which includes the world's systems, ideas, philosophies, pursuits, and passions. Let's talk about those for a minute. And these are just some definitions or some examples of what John is referring to here. The lust of the flesh would refer perhaps to the carnal nature, those fleshly appetites and passions. They can be expressed in many ways, including negative um, things that we pursue, such as anger, hatred, violence. It can include sex, leisure, recreation, distractions, or time stealers, even things like social media that steal our time, video games, television watching, any of those things that just eat up our time and distract us, the lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes could include all forms of immorality and sexual sins, could include coveting as well. Anything that you're seeing, material pursuits, you just, you're dying to have that particular kind of car or that particular kind of job or that particular house or a vacation home or whatever it may be. Lust of the eyes, that which you see and that you are just, you're living to have in a sense. You love it that much. And then he mentions the pride of life. This can include anything that, that formulates and constitutes a proud feeling inside or a proud attitude, the pride of life. Materialism can do that. Climbing the corporate ladder for status, fame, fortune. It could include even moral pride. Well, I'm doing so good because I don't commit murder and I've never been in jail and I'm not doing this and I'm not doing that. Those things are commendable. Yes, don't get me wrong. But they can become a source of pride of life in you. Same thing with religious pride. We can get religiously proud. Well, I go to church every Sunday, unlike my neighbor who sleeps in or does their yard work every Sunday morning or whatever. I mean, it can come in a numerous, in, in a number of forms and applications. But John defines for us here that we are not to love. We are not to agape, attach ourselves in any self-sacrificing, devoted way to any of these things of the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life. And he says that if we do the love of God, the agape for God and God alone that we're supposed to have is absolutely not in us at all. He tells us that these things, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life are not of the Father, but are of the world. That word of, that little word, O-F, of, is speaking of the origin, the place of origin. So in other words, these things didn't originate from God at all, but they originated from this cosmos. They originated from the fleshly nature, the carnal nature, which came because of sin and the devil and his influence. And John tells us clearly here 
that the world, the cosmos, is passing away. It is decaying. It is going away. It will not last forever. This world and all of its systems will not last forever. But there is something that will last. And, it, and he tells us right here. <clears throat> he who does the will of God abides forever. He who will obey the Lord's will. And the, how do you know what the Lord's will is? Read the Bible. You read it because it's expressed in the Bible. <clears throat> and I want to just take us back just as a brief form of review to the final, to the last um, episode that we talked about from 1 John a day or so ago. And I want to read verses 12 through 14, which is setting the stage for verse 15 through 17. And in verse 12 through 14, it says this, I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for, for his name's sake. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you, little children, because you have known the father. I have written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. So do you see the connection with that and what we're talking about here? He who does the will of God. John is commending the fathers and the little children and the, the young men here in these passages 12 through 14, primarily because they know God, because they're in relationship with the Lord. That's first and foremost. And out of that... They have a lifestyle of overcoming because they're strong. The word of God abides in them, and that gives them the ability to overcome the world. And he says to overcome the wicked one, who is the one that is the source of these things in the world that we are not to love, but we are rather to do the will of God. That's what will last forever. Love the Lord. Love doing his will. Because those who will do his will, those who will live a life of obedience and be doers of the word like James talks about, will abide or remain forever. Even though this world is passing away, we have an eternal state and an eternal home. And may we honor God so that we can abide with him forever and ever and ever. I pray that this has been a blessing to you. And Lord willing, you can join us again for future episodes of Truth Tidbits. God bless you today in Jesus' name.